0: So we are continuing in our series this morning in the second letter of 2 Timothy guarding the gospel. And we come to 2 Timothy chapter 2 verses 1 to 7. This can be found on page 995 in the Pew Bible. That is 2 Timothy chapter 2 verses 1 to 7. Hear now the eternal living word of God. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men, who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. So far in Paul's second letter to Timothy, we've studied this letter, and, and Paul has commanded and encouraged Timothy in the task of guarding the gospel. And as the aging apostle suffers in a prison dungeon, he writes this letter and he pours out his heart to his young son in the faith, calling Timothy to continue in his mission to endurance in guarding the gospel. Paul's reminded Timothy to fan into flame the gift of faith that's been given to him. And last week, specifically, we we learned some characteristics for endurance that Paul gave to Timothy to be willing to suffer for the gospel, to be ready to communicate the whole truth of the gospel, and to follow the examples of those who have endured in their guarding the gospel. But Paul isn't finished. He has much more to teach Timothy in this final letter of his, as his imminent death looms, Paul is passing on everything Timothy needs to know to carry on the baton of Paul's ministry. I had a long career as a soccer coach, and one of the cool things I got to do, not many people know, is I was a scout for MLS teams. That that is the professional soccer league in the United States. And so in this role, I would tell the teams about the college players that they might want to draft. I would tell them the position that they played, what their attributes were, like how tall they are, how strong they are, how fast they are. I would list all their strengths and weaknesses. I would even detail what foot they preferred to kick the ball with. And when the college players I worked with found out about this, some of them would ask me what they needed to do to become a professional soccer player. And I would tell them all the things they would need to do to work on their game. But often these things would be intangible qualities that they would need to improve. They needed to be tougher. They needed to be braver. They needed to be more patient. They needed to be more respectful to everyone else involved. And so as Paul continues to prepare Timothy for filling his his shoes in his ministry, we'll see some of these things. This morning, for ourselves, we'll see three qualities that we can cultivate in guarding the gospel the first is the single minded focus of a soldier the second is the discipline of an athlete and the third is the work ethic of a farmer the final chapter or sorry the first chapter of this letter ends with paul recounting how many people had left him but there was one man Onesiphorus, who stayed with Paul. He endured the difficulties. He actually risked himself to find Paul and minister to him. But now Paul's encouraging Timothy to be strong like Onesiphorus. Paul is calling Timothy to continue strong in guarding the gospel, the same gospel that Paul is currently in prison for and will soon be executed for. So the stakes are high for Timothy, but Paul doesn't exhort him to be strong merely by his own human effort by his own strength because actually Timothy is a weak sickly man and as the landslide of challenges and persecution comes Timothy way Timothy's way Paul is commanding him to stand strong but not in his own strength in verse one of chapter two begins you then my child Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. It's the grace of Jesus Christ where Timothy will find his strength for ministry. And so we usually think of God's grace in his gift of salvation. But there are actually a few categories we see for God's grace in scripture. One way grace is used in the Bible is what we think of first with grace. God graciously forgiving sinners. And we see this all throughout the Bible. It starts in the beginning with Noah, Moses, David, and even Paul himself. These are men committed all sorts of sins. Drunkenness, adultery, and murder, persecuting the very church of Jesus Christ. And so God's grace and salvation goes not to those who deserve forgiveness, but to undeserving sinners who actually deserve his wrath. We don't only deserve, not deserve God's grace, we deserve his punishment. But God's grace finds us in this place of deserving punishment, and he gives us grace instead. And another way grace is used in the Bible is God's unmerited favor of blessing upon people. It's God graciously giving gifts to those who undeserve. We see this in the prosperity of Jacob. The word grace is used in God's choosing Mary as the mother of Jesus. And then a third way grace is used is that grace empowers believers for good works. God saves you in grace so he can empower you in grace. And Paul speaks of this work in Ephesians chapter 2. He wrote in verses 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. So Paul begins there by laying out that salvation is completely a gift of God. It's completely of God's grace. It's not a result of works or anything that someone has done. So no one may boast in this. But then he follows that saying in verse 10. He says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are saved by God's grace, but we are also empowered by God's grace to do good works. And so Paul commands Timothy To be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He's telling him to continuously let God make him strong. The demands of guarding the gospel are difficult. It's not an easy path that Timothy has been called to. There will be suffering. There will be persecution in some form for anyone taking this task. You need the strength of God's grace in the task ahead. God doesn't save us from our sins and leave you to this difficult task in your own power. He's with you. The Holy Spirit is dwelling within all of God's people. And we're continuously strengthened by the grace of God. But Paul gives Timothy another command after this. Timothy, he says, you need to be strengthened by grace. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses... Entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. In the opening sermon in this series, I talked about the importance of passing on the faith to the next generation. And now Paul's telling Timothy another aspect of this, of entrusting, ensuring that the gospel is passed on to future generations. That is, raising up and training faithful men to teach it. Paul says that what you have heard from me, that would be the gospel that Timothy has heard Paul preach countless times, the whole counsel of God, the full truth of the gospel. And Timothy is to entrust this to faithful men, and not just any men, men who will be able to teach this to others also. And this is really a crucial piece of of the gospel, of guarding it for the church, making sure that we're entrusting faithful young men with the truths of the gospel, so that they can teach it to others and give them the opportunities to do this, kind of like what's happening right now at this moment with my relationship here at Third Reformed. And this is really for the church as a whole. The universal church needs to continue to make sure that the next generation of ministers are being identified and given the opportunity to preach and teach. And this will ensure that the next generation hears the gospel. Now, Paul goes now into continuing Timothy to share in the suffering of the go- for the gospel. He says in verse 3, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. We covered this a good amount last week, but Paul mentions it again because it's a crucial part of guarding the gospel, being willing to suffer for the gospel. And here he uses the metaphor of a soldier of Jesus Christ. That's because there's a spiritual battle that is going on. And we all, therefore, are soldiers of Jesus Christ in this battle. And Paul here extends this metaphor of a soldier. In verse 4 he writes, No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. And this gives us our first quality that we can cultivate for guarding the gospel. The single-minded focus of a soldier. And Paul knows personally that the business of guarding the gospel is costly. But he's giving Timothy certain qualities that he can cultivate in this sharing in suffering. He tells him that no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits. A soldier avoids getting entangled or involved in non-military matters there are many things that could tempt a soldier to be distracted it could be financial gain it could be wanting to leave the barracks and head to the comfort of his home whatever it is a soldier needs to stay focused as Paul put it the reason a soldier doesn't get entangled in civilian pursuits is since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him the soldier has his heart set on Pleasing his commanding officer. And he is courageous, committed, and willing to sacrifice and suffer in order to do so. And our single minded focus is on pleasing the Lord. You have been saved by God, called to a holy life, and you are to follow the will of God even into suffering. And that's the focus of guarding the gospel because it pleases the Lord. You and I all, every one of us, are to be courageous in this calling, committed to the Lord and pleasing him, willing to sacrifice. If suffering comes, then let it be for the gospel of salvation in Jesus Christ. You need to shun distractions, and this can be so many things. Our mission in the gospel can even get distracted by good things. It happens when your focus is on pleasing yourself rather than pleasing the Lord. It's not that you're to completely abstain, obviously, from duties at home or neglect work or things in the community. It's just that they shouldn't be a hindrance. You shouldn't get entangled in them, that the gospel gets left behind. The motivation of your heart is what Paul's concerned with because that's what God is concerned with. God is pleased when your heart is focused on pleasing him. And if you're focused on God, then you'll be willing to suffer for the gospel. The spirit of power, the spirit of love and self-control that Paul mentioned earlier is with us. God hasn't left us on our own to do these things. And so you can cultivate the single-minded focus on pleasing God because you're strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, the empowering grace of God. It empowers you to focus on pleasing God rather than pleasing yourself then you'll be able to do all the things we're talking about this week, last week, all the things listed in this letter. When you're strengthened by the empowering grace of God, then you'll be willing to suffer for the gospel, ready to communicate the whole truth of the gospel in word and in deed. And so Paul's point is that if you have a single-minded focus on a life that pleases God, you'll be living for him, guarding his gospel, even if that means to suffer. Now, Paul doesn't end there. He gives a second analogy in verse 5. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Paul now compares the Christian life with an athlete. An athlete must undergo serious training. An athlete must be disciplined. And ancient Olympians in in the first century, when Paul wrote this, they had to complete a required 10-month training period, and they had to swear an oath that they had done it. And this is what Paul's referring to, competes according to the rules. An athlete needs to dedicate himself to a disciplined regimen. And that's our second quality that we need to cultivate in guarding the gospel, the discipline of an athlete. If an athlete is going to be crowned victorious, then he must be self-disciplined. He must submit himself to rigorous training. He must be willing to sacrifice earthly pleasures. In other words, Paul's really talking about faithfulness. He's saying that the rewards depend on faithful discipline. Only if Timothy remains faithful and disciplined, persevering in the suffering that will take place... Preaching and teaching the whole truth of the gospel, as he has heard Paul do for the better part of a decade. Keeping the faith and finishing the race to the end. Then he will receive his reward. But he's not going to do this in his own strength. God will see him through. The people that fall away, that Paul mentioned, all the people that left him, unless they return, they will not receive it. And so for you and I, the discipline of an athlete is about faithful perseverance. The rules that we are to follow is obedience to God's law. We aren't to have idols. Take, on, take the Lord's name in vain. We're to love our neighbors and not murder, commit adultery, steal, or lie. And ultimately, the discipline of Christianity is following the model of Jesus in self-denial and suffering. Taking up your cross daily and following him, obedience to God's will. And this obedience to the will of God may take you down paths you'd rather not go. And so to persevere in this, to persevere in this task and having the discipline necessary to do it is not done in your own strength. It's done through the sustaining, empowering grace of God. He'll keep you until the end where you'll receive the crown of righteousness. And so... We are to cultivate in ourselves the single-minded focus of a soldier, the discipline of an athlete. And then Paul gives us a third metaphor for the Christian life. In verse 6 he writes, It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. And this gives us our third quality to cultivate in guarding the gospel, the work ethic of a farmer. In ancient times almost 85 to 90% of the whole population was involved in agriculture in some way, either growing or getting food as their primary occupation. And so this analogy would have resonated in the first century, even more so than today. Farming is hard work. It's hard work today, let alone in the first century, where they didn't have any of the technology and equipment that farmers have. The life of a farmer involved getting up early and working exceptionally long hours because he couldn't afford to lose any time. There was constant labor, plowing, sowing, tending, weeding, reaping, storing, constant setbacks and disappointments because of weather, pests, disease. And there was an extreme amount of patience necessary because everything happened at a pace slower than a snail's pace. And compared to the decorated soldier, and the victorious athlete, the farmer's work is much less glamorous. And so is also the work for the gospel. And in all of these, the quality of a farmer that Paul highlights is his hard work. The hard work of a farmer is the one who gets the first share of the crops. And so the work of guarding the gospel is hard work. And this is for all of us, ministers, elders, a congregation. Paul is calling Timothy specifically to hard work, to have the work ethic of a hard-working farmer in his service to the Lord. And just like patience is required in farming, the work of the gospel is often the same. It's a patient, often painstaking work that requires diligence. It requires focus, determination, day in and day out. And there's strain, there's struggle there's diligence all of which are a type of suffering but like the athlete there is a future reward there's something that comes at the end of your hard work the hard work are to be first in line and the reward will far outweigh any suffering the hard work patience day in and day out working of pastors elders christian servants of the lord will have its reward in due time. And that is the consummation of our salvation and our glorification. Paul wrote of this in 1 Corinthians. In chapter 15, he said, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So it will take a focused diligence today. A daily focus on the gospel. Not getting distracted by other pursuits. Not letting the things of this world distract you. Being entertained. Whatever it may be, become entanglements. Making sure each day that you're doing what the Lord requires of you. Taking up your cross anew each morning. And patiently grinding out this work. Knowing this whole time that one day, the fullness of the harvest will come. Knowing that one day our salvation will be fully consummated. One day we will be glorified in eternity with Jesus and God will dwell with us. So while you suffer now, while you work hard now, you do so knowing that one day all the promises of God will be fulfilled. And so Paul concludes all of this By telling Timothy in verse 7. Think over what I say. For the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Paul has commanded Timothy to share in the suffering for the gospel. He's called him to endurance for the long difficult road that is ahead. But he's also told him to be strengthened by the grace that is in Jesus Christ. Timothy will persevere by God's grace. And he will only do so by this grace he will be preserved and strengthened by this grace it's the holy spirit within him that will see him through to the end but it's also by the grace of god that timothy will fully understand what paul's writing in proverbs proverbs 2 verse 7 says that for the lord gives wisdom from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding and paul's talking about something sim- beyond simply an intellectual understanding By reflecting on the truth of God's word, there's a change that God brings about in us. By reflecting on the truth of God's word, that's how we are strengthened by the grace in Jesus Christ. And so now Timothy, by doing this, will know what it really means to struggle and suffer when he has to do this. Paul wants Timothy to cultivate these qualities of single-mindedness, discipline, and a strong work ethic, and he's to do this all day by day, all the while keeping his mind that the full fruit of his labor will come at the return of Jesus Christ. As one commentator wrote, beyond warfare is victory, beyond the athlete's effort is the prize, and beyond agricultural labor is the crop. Paul himself kept his eye on this prize, the future day of the return of Jesus Christ, when Jesus will come back and bring about the full realization of his kingdom. Paul knew that his suffering was not in vain, and that he has been encouraging Timothy to do the same, to guard the gospel with his life. And that means preaching and teaching it, making sure Timothy himself is doing this, and raising up a new generation of young men to do this. It means having a single-minded focus that every Christian needs, you and I, that we will remain disciplined and determined, working diligently till the end of your race, willing to share in the suffering of Jesus Christ, and knowing that you're strengthened by the grace that is in Christ, because Jesus will not let his people fall away. Everyone that the Father has chosen for the Son, everyone who comes to a saving faith, will be preserved by this grace and you can do all this knowing that one day jesus will return we live out our lives for the gospel in light of the future that is guaranteed to us by the promises of god in his first coming jesus fulfilled the promises in his work of redemption for his people and in his second coming He will bring about the final realization, the final consummation of all things in final judgment and salvation. And then the curse of sin will be fully reversed. Creation will no longer groan in the pain of sin. All of creation will be set free from the bondage of decay that sin has caused. All things will be made new. There will be no more tears, no more death, mourning, pain, for all these things will have passed away. Satan, evil, sin, and even death will have been defeated. And then the final judgment will take place. But those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life, that is everyone who has faith in Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, will inherit the kingdom. The return of Jesus Christ is your hope in your suffering. You pursue a godly life now, sacrificing and suffering for the gospel and the kingdom of God now leaving behind earthly ambitions, motivated by the anticipation of the future glory that awaits us. We can sacrifice now, holding on to the day of the future resurrection that we all have in Jesus Christ. On that glorious day, your soul and your resurrected and glorious body will be one again, as God originally created them to be. Your body and soul will be freed from any remnants of sin. And the heavens and the earth that we dwell in will be free from the curse of sin as well. The home of everyone who has faith in Jesus Christ will be the new heavens and the new earth where righteousness reigns. And this really gives us two options for living right now. You can live for the here and now. You can live solely for the rewards of this life and what you want from this life, looking to please yourself. Or you can let go of today and live for the future resurrection and glory that awaits you. By the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. You can be willing to suffer now holding on to the return of Christ. And so let us all move forward each day with a single-minded focus on the gospel. With a discipline, determination to do so. Working hard each day knowing of the reward that awaits us in the future is better than anything we can imagine. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning knowing that we bring nothing in our hands that can contribute to our salvation. We know that we are weak. We are not strong enough for this task on our own. But you are with us. You not only gave your son to die for us, but you gave us your spirit to continue to empower us for the task ahead. May we stay focused, single-mindedness on guarding your gospel. May we have the discipline, determination that it requires, the work ethic, knowing that everything you have given us is beyond our wildest imagination. The glory that you have waiting for us is worth all the suffering that we can take. Help us hold on to you, your son, Jesus Christ, and the gospel in his name, in which we pray. Amen.